Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I am your co-host, Mike Perry, and I am here with the man, the myth, the iron cardio legend, Brett Jones. Brett, how you doing, bud? Fabulous. How are you, sir? Just uh, living the dream, my friend. Living the dream. It's a beautiful day here in uh, good old Massachusetts, so I cannot complain. Awesome. Um, Overcast and gray here in Pittsburgh, as uh, par usual. Um, and yeah, everything's, uh, rolling right along, just, uh, keeping all the plates spinning. That's it. So a uh, little disclaimer before we talk about this topic, um, we may come off as a little bit of the grumpy old men get off my lawn. Um, and, and that's really not our intent, but it's, it's going to happen regardless. Um, so today we're going to talk about technology and how technology is impacting the fitness industry. Um, you know, these days we can measure just about everything. We can measure your sleep. We can measure your heart rate. Well, we've been doing that for, for decades, but we can measure your heart rate variability. We have velocity-based training. We have um, all of these different metrics to hopefully allow our athletes to become stronger, faster, more conditioned, or even our gen pop people to just live a better quality of life. And, and for some reason, those things aren't happening. And we're going to dig into it a little bit because I think while collecting data is a good thing, I think it's, it's also gotten to the point where people don't know what to do with it. And you can collect all the data you'd like, but if you can't make a positive impact with that data, how important is that data? And that's what we're really going to talk about today. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. There's this uh, training center that's not too far from Boston. And I remember a client came in and they, they gave me this like phone book of all of these different assessments that they did. And basically what they were doing, they were trying to sell a training program, but they handed them this phone book that was basically telling them everything that was wrong with them. And they said, well, you need to train with us to fix it. And uh, I didn't appreciate that. And, and one of the things that I found quite entertaining is uh, they had the FMS in there and uh, I was looking at it going, okay, let's, let's see how good they are because, you know, I, I know a little bit about the FMS and uh, you know, I ran them through the FMS like I always do. And it, it was completely off. It was completely just incorrect and it was not run properly. But you know what, what I think people do is I think they gather all this data and they tell you what's wrong with you and they tell you where they can make the improvements, but guess what? It doesn't always happen that way. So um, data, while it can be data and technology, while it can absolutely be beneficial for coaches, we need to be careful with how we use that information. Absolutely. So to circle back on this for, for just a second, the largest fitness uh, show, expo, um, consumer-related um, thing that happens in the, in the world right now is the Consumer Electronics Show. There is an entire floor of the Consumer Electronics Show that is de dedicated to wearables, uh, whether that's rings, watches, bands, chest straps, 
um, whole body suits that give you information. Uh, an entire floor of the CES is dedicated to fitness products. That should indicate, and if you don't know what CES is and you don't know how much money's involved in that, an entire floor being dedicated to uh, fitness wearables, um, definitely a multi-billion dollar uh, aspect of the fitness world right now. Um, so it is a huge deal and it's uh, it's big data, right? It's uh, it's our ability to track everything from, you know, you on a GPS and uh, exactly where you've been and what your elevation changes were and how many steps you got in and what was your, you know, what's your uh, resting heart rate, working heart rate, heart rate variability, temperature, um, how did you sleep? Did you pass gas when you slept? Like there's, <laughs> they, they can track uh, nearly everything uh, nowadays. And uh, I think this has a couple of, um, a couple of impacts uh, just at a very high, like a 30,000 foot level. Uh, and now that I've used that saying, no one else will ever use that saying again, because I am where cool things go to die. Um, so 30,000 foot view, you collect so much information that you're paralyzed. You don't know what to do because you're getting all of these different data points and uh, how do you take action on all of that information? And then the other form of paralysis is, well, the device said I shouldn't train today. Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, there's there's different aspects to that. So I, I, I think that, you know, at a, at a very high level, it's pervasive, it's uh, billions of dollars, and 80% uh, of the population still doesn't exercise. We think if we gamify and get it on an app and put it on a watch or wearable or something like that, that all of a sudden everybody's, well, pedometers came out a while ago and 80% of the population still doesn't exercise. Mm -hmm. So if you're waiting on a gadget to turn the tide, uh, I definitely think you're looking in the wrong place. And then to your point with the FMS and, and different things like that, there's groups all the time that are trying to make that, you know, uh, better than the human eye, right? They're trying to put it into some sort of um, motion capture and, and uh, different things like that. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, frustrating. Well, you know what I think it is, is and, and, and listen, I do use data and I do use some metrics, but um, me personally, um, at a certain point, I kind of got away from it. And, um, and, and here's why me personally, I actually had the aura ring for a few years and I used to check it all the time. And literally every single day, it's like every day you slept bad, you slept bad, you slept bad. And I was like, I feel great. Like, but it was just telling me that I slept bad all the time because I move a little bit in my sleep. That's just how I am. And it's, it's not calibrated to, to pick up on that stuff. And I, I would sleep great. And I'd check the next day and I'd be like, I just get pissed. I was like, I know I slept great. But then I realized like, do I need uh, an aura ring or a whoop band to tell me if I slept well or not. Like I can usually wake up and go, huh, I feel pretty good. Like, um, you know, and, and I know myself enough where if I, if I'm really feeling like crap, I'm not going to push it that day. And, uh, if I feel okay, I can, I can go a little bit harder. So, I mean, it's the old saying, what is it? Uh, paralysis by analysis, right? I mean, we can just get so much information. We don't know where to start, but, um, you know, I think one of the reasons that I, really enjoyed coaching was problem solving. Because if you look at coaching and personal training and strength and conditioning, 
you are hopefully providing a solution to someone's needs. You know, it could be fat loss, it could be athletic performance. And part of that is the problem solving process of gathering information on what, how they move, you know, their, their daily stressors, basic, basic stuff, and then trying to design a program that's going to be appropriate. And that will hopefully um, facilitate a positive adaptation. And then things change as they come in and, and they've got tweaks and twinges. And that's how I learned through that trial and error and that problem solving. And one of the things that I think people are going to miss is if they rely on just data all the time and make decisions simply based off data, um, they're not going to be able to problem solve as well because they don't have that true experience of literally making mistakes, trying to find ways to, you know, turn that ship around and then proceed and, and just keep on evaluating as you go, because that's really what coaching and training is. It's, it's making a change and evaluating it to see how it went and then rinse and repeat for the rest of your life. <laughs> Seriously, uh, a, a quick uh, side story that that actually does apply. It's not one of my usual tangents that, that doesn't apply to what we're talking about. Uh, I, I ran a hospital fitness center for, for a few years uh, in, in Pennsylvania, and it was a teaching hospital, um, osteopathic. So we would bring uh, med students and DOs in to do their residency or, you know, uh, their their hours. And uh, the gentleman, the doctor who uh, was in charge of the students was, he, he, I think he interned under Hippocrates. Uh, he, he'd been a doctor for more than a few years. And um, he would get these new students in and he'd send them in to do an H&P, health and uh, history and physical, on um, whatever patient. And they'd come out and they would say, well, I need these five tests. And he would say, well, why? What do you think is wrong that you need those five tests? Well, I don't know. I need these five tests. He's like, no, no. Go back in, actually talk to them, do the history, lay hands on them, do a physical, get your stethoscope off from around your neck, listen, listen to their heart and breathing, and you come back out here and you tell me what you think is going on because testing should confirm a diagnosis. This is something Gray said for a long, a long time. A, a test, an imaging or whatever should confirm a diagnosis, not make one. Um, and it's kind of the same thing that you're talking about with problem solving and being able to evaluate a situation. I don't have to wait the the two months for the aura ring or the, and, you know, probably shouldn't be uh, equipment specific here. Um, you know, I don't need to wait and gather all these data points to then try to figure out what's what's going on. Um, you need to be able to problem solve, look at that situation. Now, what are the pieces of data that I need now? You know, there's a great book called why we make mistakes. And in that book, they talk about a study that was done on the people that, um, handicap, uh, horse races. And so they took this group of, you know, experienced horse, they do this handicapping for the, for the horse races all the time. And they said, okay, what is the bare minimum number of pieces of information that you need in, in order to make a decision on how a horse is going to do? And I think it turned out to be like five or seven pieces of information. So what they did was they gave them the essential, the five or seven, uh, and then they gave them 15 pieces of information, 20, 30 pieces of information. And a very interesting thing happened. They were actually most accurate 
at the bare minimum level of information, that, that essential five to seven pieces of, of information. But as they gave them more pieces of information, their confidence went up, their accuracy went down. So you have this feeling that the, this more information I collect, the more things that I know, the better decision I'm going to be able to make. And usually what you get, and uh, there's, they call it static now. Um, and there, there's a, there's a book uh, that I'm listening to that, that kind of covers this as well. Um, what you end up getting is static. You end up having pieces of information that don't matter. Uh, and you just get overwhelmed by this, this information, but you feel good about it. You, you feel good about having all of these data points, all of this information. What you need is five, not 30. And so for me, that's medical history, injury history, exercise history, um, actually talking to the individual and running an FMS and, you know, uh, being able to be, you know, uh, either virtually or, or in front of the person uh, to, to see how they move and see their responses. Um, that starts my decision-making process, my problem solving. Uh, I could wait and collect 20 or 30 more pieces of information. I'll probably feel good about it, but I probably won't do as good a job. And you'll probably start at the same spot anyways, <laughs> after you Precisely. collect all that information. Well, you know what and I think it is, is our, our industry is, is driven off of the fancy stuff, the gurus and complexity. If something seems too simple, people look at it and they go, that's, it's too simple. It can't be important. We see that all the time. And, and uh, we see it in the FMS world. We also see it in, uh, in, you know, strong for us, our level one curriculum, six exercises. That's it. Um, and you yep. can, you can take those six exercises and if you do them correctly and you program them correctly, you will never need anything else for the rest of your life. Um, but we have, for some reason, our uh, entire industry is, is going in the direction of complexity first. If it's complex and it's got all this data, it's got to be better. And I've been down those rabbit holes, man. I've done, I mean, we've had several conversations about all the different courses we've taken, all the mistakes that we've made, but start simple and hopefully develop the ability in the, in the, uh, you have the skill set to go deeper when necessary, but don't go deep. Don't go down that. Don't start in the rabbit hole because you'll never get out. So start with the simple stuff and, and get those big rocks out of the way and then go from there. And, um, and I think again, with technology, we're talking about like, you know, all these different bands that give you ideas on readiness and listen, I get it. There's some days that you should not train, but I think most people know if they went out and they went drinking the night before and they got four hours of sleep and they're dehydrated and they feel like crap, like the next day is not the day to go for a PR, right? I, you would hope that most people understand that, but um, you know, I have, I work with professional fighters. Now, a lot of these guys track, some of them don't, but what's going to happen on fight day? They're stressed to the gills. Their HRV is going to be in the, in the absolute, just it's going to be in the trash. What are they going to do? Like what happens if that athlete looks at their HRV and it's fight night and it's really bad. What, oh, how no. is that going to, how I can't, was it going to call Dana, Dana White and go, Hey, Dana, listen, my heart rate variability says that I'm, my readiness <laughs> is not where I need it to be. So can we do this at another time? And that's the problem sometimes with data, because what happens if that you get an athlete that is so just dependent and reliant on this data and they see it's fight day and their HRV is in the, in the absolute trash. How is that going to impact them psychologically? That's not good. It's not good. And now they're going into the fight going, my body's not ready. And listen, a lot of fighters are head cases to begin with. That's not going to help. No, seriously. So no, I... we have to, we have to be careful with that data because as much as we think it can help, it can hurt as well. 
Absolutely. No, I, I think that's a, a really good example. And um, the, I, I obviously uh, lean in the intuitive direction uh, with my own training and, and things of that anyway. Um, you know, I've, so for me, technology is annoying. It's one more thing to track. I, I don't have a pair of ear pods uh, because I mentally cannot handle one more thing to charge. If, if I have to, plug, if I have to plug in one more thing, I'm going to freak out. Um, <laughs> and so, you I are just, the old man. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been young. I've, I've been old since, <laughs> since I was a kid. Um, but I, you know, to kind of turn the corner and talk about something that maybe can be useful. I've spent some time working with the push band. Uh, which is an accelerometer. Um, and there, you know, there are times where measuring something uh, can, can, I don't think you need to measure every rep, but an accelerometer and looking at power uh, velocity, um, you know, these things can be indicative, uh, indicative of some changes. And I ran into a situation where I needed to have my right knee scoped because I had a 15 year old cartilage tear that finally became bad enough to need to be addressed. And, I repeated a workout uh, several months apart uh, using the push band uh, on each of those workouts. And even though I intuitively knew, um, pardon me, even though I intuitively knew something's off, I had numbers in front of me that said, yeah, you're down across the board. Your velocity's down, your power's down, uh, like you're off. And it was, you know, it was related to my knee. Um, so there are times where collecting a little bit of that information can be can be really helpful, but keep it in its place. And then what pieces of information do you actually need? Because, um, you know, I've talked to some experts in VBT and, and they're like, well, you know, outside of training some pretty high level athletes. Do do half the, your RM reps <laughs> in a training set and. uh your, your eyes will tell you when the, when the bar slows down. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's just kind of, um, uh, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to finish as the grumpy old man. I wanted to finish of saying like, Hey, you know, there is some technology out there that's pretty cool and can be pretty useful, but may, maybe that's a sixth data point that I use every now and then it's not 30 data points that I'm trying to collect on a daily basis. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with that. Right. I'm, and again, don't, don't hear what we're not saying. We're not saying technology is bad. It's just knowing when to use it. Um, you know, I think another thing too, is when you are coaching for a very, very long time and uh, you can kind of see when it, when it's going well and when it's not um, in, and uh, I was working with an athlete the other day, we were just doing um, a little bit of acceleration work and we, we were timing him to get some baseline measurements on his, uh, on his 10 and his flying 10. And, but you could tell like, I, I could tell based off the way it went. I didn't look at it until after. I was like, that was a good one. And sure enough, it, it was a good one. So um, I think developing the coach's eye and trying to really, you know, look at those nuances of movement. It's like a kettlebell swing. I see things in a kettlebell swing that most people can't. You see a million things in a kettlebell swing that most people can't. So, but that's just because you've been seeing it over and over again. I mean, you've probably watched millions of swings in your life. And when you have, when you have that experience, you develop that coach's eye and remember coaching is an art and a science, right? So yes, technology will, will help us lean in the direction of 
of science, but there's this art component of, of knowing when to make those changes and when to pull the plug on certain workouts because it's not looking right or when to make changes or lateralizations or make a regression. So um, it is truly a, a combination of, of the experience of the coach, but also what is the data telling us? And I think when we blend that information efficiently, that's when good things happen. Um, I don't have the time to track every single thing that my, my athletes do. I just simply don't. Um, you know, if, if my athletes wanted to pay me to, you know, to do all of that high level stuff, um, I'd be making a lot of money. But uh, at the same time, we just we just can't because it's not that it's not important. It's just um, it's more important that we have that day to day communication, that relationship. We have the discussion, intercession. That is more important because my my ability to communicate with my athletes is far more powerful than what all of those other metrics are telling me from from technology. Well, and I'm going to circle back on what you referenced uh, in in the the kind of term for it is advanced pattern recognition. It's that ability to, um, as Gray says, I might skip steps, but I don't miss steps. Um, you know, I because I've seen so many swings, for example, I look at somebody's swing and I realize that it's X, and then I see somebody else swing and I know it's Y. Um, and that that can be a powerful tool uh, in your toolbox, and it's definitely a skill to cultivate and be able to recognize what's going on quicker. However, there's a pitfall in there uh, when you start assuming that you're picking up on everything because mm -hmm. you're you've been doing it that long, and you know I I see everything. Uh, sort of sort of mindset kicks in. Uh, now you're going to start missing things. You're, you're not skipping steps. You're missing steps. And so advanced pattern recognition as powerful a tool as it is, has to be kept in check and consistent baseline things like an FMS, like a flying 10 time, like a rep max, uh, consistent base uh, benchmarks and baselines, uh, minimums are going to let you know that your that advanced pattern recognition is actually still on target. And you can read Malcolm Gladwell's uh, Blink uh, and and some other some other books that really talk go much deeper into advanced pattern recognition. Um, and uh, so there are, as always, caveats and and uh, cautionary tales within uh, uh, those concepts there. But uh, so have your benchmarks, have your baselines, have those things that you can bounce. Uh, the, 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 the routine or the, the, the prep uh, off of, and, and that's going to let you really um, protect yourself from your assumptions, protect yourself from these, these assumptions. And, you know, there's, there's times where the data is going to lead you the wrong direction because mm -hmm. uh, you're to, to your point earlier, if it's go time, it's go time. Exactly. I, I'm, not, I'm not looking at my watch. Um or wearable or whatever the case may be. So I, I just, I, I wanted to circle back on that because I think that's a, you know, as, as we develop problem solving skills, you know, I, I started as an athletic trainer. So I've been the only person on a field with, you know, 50, 60 athletes. And when somebody goes down with an ACL um, or you have to spine board them because they have a potential neck uh, cervical fracture or head injury, like, you, you get pretty good at advanced pattern recognition and responding to the situation and problem solving. And uh, you do the same thing in rehab. You know, uh, you're, you're 
selecting those exercises and and designing that that routine to rehab whatever injury or situation that you have, you know, bringing those tools over to something like coaching uh, and and teaching kettlebells or you know doing personal training um, is you know I, I feel like I kind of had a step up uh, on this change in careers from athletic training to personal training and fitness because I, I I'd had that background and you know athletic trainers are they're good problem solvers. Uh, cause you, you just got to figure stuff out sometimes very quickly. Um, and so it's, a um, it, it's definitely a skill to develop, um, be wrong fast. If you're going to be wrong and you're going to be wrong, be wrong fast. Um, don't cling to that mistake. You know, I, I've talked about this in, a, in other formats, but you know, there's those, I hate memes. I hate most memes. But one of them that gets used a lot when you talk to these people that are motivational, this, that, and the other thing, is uh, it's the person that's digging the tunnel, and uh, they were one, you know, pick away from hitting diamonds, and then there's somebody up above them that's still, you know, grinding, still, still picking and trying to get to the diamonds, and this other person's turned around and gone back, and so you know, it's like you know, don't quit, you know, you got to struggle, you got to grind. Um, there's actually a term for it, struggle porn. Um, that, uh, the, yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, these, uh, cause these in- inspirational people are like, you got to grind, you got to grind. It's all about this and that and the other thing. Well, sometimes you're not digging towards diamonds. Sometimes it's a lake and you're getting ready, to, <laughs> you're getting ready to drown yourself. Um, be wrong fast, recognize the mistake, make the change that you need to make. Um, that's again, good problem solving and good communication and good eye. And, you know, just um, you know, constantly reevaluating the, uh, the, the situation. Absolutely. And I think there's really two things that we need to consider when it comes to making changes in someone's performance or movement is, is it a technical issue? Or is it a programming issue? Because, you know, for example, swings, if, if Brett's doing swings and he knows what his normal eccentric and concentric loading is or a VBT, whatever you want to call it, but he has his baseline data and something starts to get skewed, is it a technical issue or is it a work to rest type issue? Because depending on what specific adaptation you're you're trying to achieve, if your programming is off, it doesn't matter how your technique is gonna be because your programming is not is not actually working towards your, your, your technique. So if we're trying to be powerful, right? We're doing swings, we're doing sets of five and then we're resting a minute. That's not a bad little template, but if we're doing you know five swings and we're resting 10 seconds. Well, guess what? At a certain point, we're gonna have a drop off. Is it a drop off in technique? Probably not. It could be due to fatigue, but it could be just the fact that, um, you know, we're not even allowing enough time to recover to repeat that performance. So uh, that's where the coaching part comes in and understanding, is this a technical issue or is this a programming issue? Or maybe it's a little bit of both. And then you have to determine as a coach, what direction you're going to go in to make those changes. And like Brett said, fail fast. I mean, I've, I, I, you've probably done this too, but seeing people swing after like four swings, you're like, good, got it. Like I've, I've, I'm like, I know exactly what's going on here. And, uh, you know, you can, you see it because we've done this so many times. Um, and same thing with running mechanics. So, you know, you develop the coach's eye and you develop those nuances just by exposure. And, and it's just seeing it over and over and over again. And then you can start to, you know, see three reps of a swing and go, this is exactly what you need, but that takes time. And, uh, I don't think there's any tracking device that could necessarily tell me what the issue is. They could tell me that there's an issue. Right. But what is the issue? And that's where we have to coach. And that's where we have to dig a little bit deeper and look back and say, well, 
you know, where in the program is this? Um, what was my preparation before that? What was my, you know, what happened earlier in the day? I mean, there's all of these things and all these data points that we need to collect to make uh, appreciable changes. But a lot of the times technology will just give us unbiased data. But as a coach, we need to know what things we need to change to make an impact or make an improvement. And that's, that's coaching. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you can uh, you can go into the doctor's office now and they're going to, you know, put the the thingy around your arm and a machine is going to take your blood pressure. If it's high or low, nobody, the machine doesn't know why yeah. the machine just, you know, gave you that gave you that uh, data point. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of examples of, of that sort of information collecting that happens uh, without the human uh, aspect of it involved. And uh, it's just information. You know, mm -hmm. and and that's uh, I think important to just kind of realize um, that uh, it, it what's 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 the saying if it if it's mattered if if it matters you measure it something like that some some sure. some sort something of, like it has to do yeah. with matter and measuring yeah uh, it's um, I'm, I've I've lost the uh, the exact quote but it's uh, a bumper sticker yeah exactly it's it's a meme it's been out there. Um, or not everything that matters can be measured and not everything measured matters. I think that, that was, really an, good. That was, that go was an that. Einstein. I think that's an Einstein um, good source of quotes, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, know uh, the person that you're working with, what are their goals? What, what's the fewest number of data points that you can have in order to make good decisions uh, on what's going on with that, that individual. Um, that's, uh, and you know, there, there's electronic timing devices that make running those, you know, timing those, uh, you know, flying tens or, or, you know, 10, 10 meter, uh, sprints it makes it easier. Like, again, don't hear what we're not saying. We're not saying all technology, you know, throw it away and, you know, go back to your slide rules and, uh, protractors and, you know, try to, uh, do everything by hand. Um, but just know what data you need. And then if there's a tool that makes that easier to collect, cool. Um, but don't, don't fall into this trap of thinking uh, big data is going to solve your problems. Probably just end up with more. Yeah. And I also think, you know what, I think in a way there, there, you've got the people that on one end of the, you know, spectrum, they've got data on everything. And then we've got other people that's like, eh, I don't want to use anything. And, and I think we need to sort of, depending on who we work with, we need to meet somewhere in the middle because here, here's another thing too people don't think about. What if you're a strength and conditioning coach and you're, you're measuring their tens, their twenties, whatever, whatever you want to use and they're getting slower. All right. Ruh, so, so ruh, ruh, ruh. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and that's, a, and I'll be honest, I think a lot of people don't use performance indicators and measures because they're not confident in their ability to make positive changes. Now, look, getting a 14 year old kid, to shave two tenths of a second off is 10, not hard to do. You know, trying to get Usain Bolt faster. Yeah, good luck with that. So, but again, we, we can also use data to check our work. You know, you're not jumping higher. Oh, that's not good. Your goal is to jump higher. Like, so that's where we need to also say, well, what is the necessary data? Because if someone is coming to me and they're trying to get faster, whether it's, you know, it could be a, it could be a 10, it could be a flying 10, it could be a 20, a 30, a 40, it could be an intermittent yo-yo test, it could be Cooper test, I don't really care. Well, if we have our baselines, 
then we can check to see how good we are as a strength and conditioning coach. Because guess what? Our goal of, of, of a strength and conditioning coach, believe it or not, is to get people stronger and to get them more conditioned. It doesn't happen anymore because everybody's just a guru, but um, you know, that that's another that's that's definitely me on my lawn right now. I'm like uh <laughs> definitely uh the old, you know, what was the movie with Clint Eastwood? Um you would I, know better than anybody, movie quote guy. Come on. Gran Torino. Torino, great, great movie. Great, great movie, great movie, and great character. Honestly, should have been his last movie. Um I love the guy, but uh if you've seen cry macho you you were crying by the uh by the end of it <laughs> um and not for any cinematic reasons uh so yeah i i think that um the again riding that line of uh you know advanced pattern recognition uh problem solving you know um using your coach's eye having that reinforcing technology that can make you a better coach that can, that can hold you to the baseline uh, and benchmarks. I, you know, I, I think that uh, there, there is a middle ground to be hit. Uh, but in general uh, that, that process of deciding what information do I actually need? Uh, and M if I collect a piece of information, is it modifiable? Is it something that I'm actually going to pursue? Um, so, you know, for most people, uh, especially the 80% of people that aren't exercising. Um, I, I'm pretty sure a wearable is not the answer. Um, the fact that people don't enjoy exercising and see it as uh, I personally feel, uh, you know, they, they see it as something that's uh, you do it to look a certain way. You don't look at, you don't do it to be healthy. You just do it to look a certain way. Um, and to a conversation with Chris Poyer, perform better um gym memberships and and that money is not taxed so there's no benefit to the community uh at large um during pandemics and things like that and keeping gyms open because they're not collecting any money off of you anyway so just don't worry about those don't worry about them we can open those later um and you know the message right now should be you know how important exercise is to your health um and I just, I don't think a wearable is going to turn the corner for that conversation. Uh, kind of a left turn into a little different uh, area, but uh, somewhat related. No, no, I think it's, but it's, it's definitely all, it's all related because I mean, you know, the big thing, especially with Apple watches and obviously pedometers have been up for forever, but it's, you know, you see step challenges and stuff like that. And, and in a way, like, I love the step challenges because it just makes people aware. And that is the first mm -hmm. step awareness no, no pun no pun intended um to making change is awareness that was a pretty good one it was, it was kind of a, it was pretty good but it, was, but it, it really a... is it's it's in order to make a change you need to be aware of what needs to be changed and if you're not aware you don't know what you don't know it's the old uh the, you know the, the first stage in in uh skill acquisition or motor learning unconscious incompetence you don't know what you don't know and um awareness is key so if if getting you know, a little pedometer or a Fitbit or an Apple watch makes you a little bit more aware. And it, 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 it starts to move you in the trend of walking a little bit more. And then hopefully walking a little bit more will eventually maybe give you a gym membership or do something else to get you a little bit more active. Great. Awesome. So I'm cool if the Apple watch is the gateway drug to, to fitness, but at the same time, um, you know, it's, it's just a starting point because, you know, at a certain point, anything, 
that you do, you have to change because if you, if you do the same thing over and over and over again, eventually you're going to hit a, a plateau and things need to change. So I, I think the, the underlying theme here is technology is good, but don't overly rely on it because um, at a certain point, it's just too much information. And usually when people are overwhelmed with too much information, they don't do anything. They just sit stagnant and say, screw it. I'm going to do it later because it becomes overwhelming. Story of my life right there. And in, there you in go. a nutshell. And then, yeah, in I'm a in a nutshell. nutshell. All right. We're going to end it there. Um, <laughs> thank you all for listening, guys. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, if there are any topics you guys want us to cover, uh, you know, you could shoot me a message. Um, Coach Mike Perry, you can shoot Brett a message at, well, Brett Jones, SFG on Instagram, Brett. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, if you can find us, uh, you know, on social media as well, Facebook, et cetera. So um, if you enjoyed this podcast, do us a huge favor. Uh, could you write us a positive review in whatever platform you're listening and also share this with your, uh, your colleagues, coworkers, et cetera. So thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks everybody. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.